Welcome to another spectacular episode <laughs> of Encounter Grow Witness, uh, a podcast of the Archdiocese of Detroit, helping the Unleash the Gospel movement, especially those who are working in our parishes and helping our pastors and all the faithful in our parishes know and love Jesus Christ. I'm your boring host, Father Steve Polis, <laughs> and we have the fun, lively, and exciting host, Beth Spazarni. I'll try Beth. to be fun. I don't know, guys. I think Father Steve's a lot more fun than me, but uh, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Well, Beth, it's great to see you. I hope you're doing yep. well. Uh, we are in the throes of summer now, the so there's summer. nothing going on. We're bored, quiet, yeah. just kind of nothing at all going on yeah. right it's funny i think there's more things going on now and we're like adjusting back to that because mm. people i think aren't used to so many events and groups and people and yeah yeah it's exciting though one of the things uh we were talking about like we talked about summer memories last time but yeah. i i think of uh as a kid going to the movies in summer and there's so many movies in my mind that are like summer movies that yeah. are like emblematic of summer movies uh I remember going to see Jurassic Park as a kid. And to me, The Sandlot is like the quintessential summer movie of nice. my childhood um, nice. because uh, it's about summer. I don't even know if it came out yeah. in the summer, but it's just like yeah. it's about summer. Right. And there were so many great baseball movies of the 90s, um, the heyday yeah. of excellent baseball movies. <laughs> Let's just uh, call it what it is there. Taking uh, a stand. <laughs> but I have not been back to the movies since... Uh, you know, the COVID. people are doing that now, I guess. So, uh, yeah, but I I, I'm looking forward to it at some point. Have you been back? To, I haven't been back to the movies. Are, are you a movie I'm, goer I'm at all? Or? Yeah, I think I'm somewhere in between a real movie goer. In high school, my best friend had free passes to the movies. So Ooh. I pretty much saw everything in that four year period. Um, but wow, did she work yeah. at a theater? Or she her company. Like she worked at a company that had like a time? deal with them. No, okay. No. no, I'm happy to say both of her legs were intact. Or find like a, a mouse in her popcorn one time. <laughs> that would be surprising. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. For me, summer movies. That one that was quintessential for me was Independence Day. Mm. I, I remember my family. We all got in the car and we drove, and it was I. In my memory, it was July 4th. Maybe I'm crossing that, but in my that memory, is Independence it was. Day. I know. So. But like to see it that day, and I just remember thinking it was so awesome, you know, because I was young and thought. Just, but now watching it, I still enjoy watching it, but it's just so cheesy and predictable. But so you know, I have Will Smith. Oh, I have never seen Independence oh, Day. Oh, Father so Steve, that's a, a whole a lacuna we might say well, in my you know. in my movie repertoire. <laughs> what I think happened now, I could be misremembering this, but what I think happened, I'm from a big family. I think my older brothers and sisters. Uh, went to see Independence yeah. Day. And I think my little sister and I went with my dad to see this John Travolta movie called Phenomenon. Phenomenon. That came out at the same out. time. I could okay. be I could be like conflating different okay. things, but that's what I seem to remember around Boy. that movie is not seeing Tough it. Tough childhood. But seeing a, a B-rate John Travolta movie. <laughs> what a shame. <laughs> you know what? But I made it through. <laughs> okay. I made it through. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think you did. I think you did. <laughs> uh, I also remember going to see when the Star Wars movies came back out mm -hmm. with a, what, my best friend in, from grade school, Ted Buffington. Uh, Ted, Buffington. Ted and I and uh, Joe Horn, another, not not the pastor yeah. actually, oh, okay. but uh, um, yeah. uh, a kid from from my class in, in school. We went up and watched uh, one of those 
Nice. I forget which one. Maybe it was the first one, but it was when yeah. the Star Wars movies were being rebooted. Okay. Not the Phantom Menace stuff, but okay. like the 25th the, anniversary. Something. The original one. Yeah. Redone. I mean, do you remember that? Sure. Was that a I time for you? I don't. I remember. So when I was growing up, we I did see those movies and then my husband's not into it. So he used okay. to joke that Han Solo was still frozen in ice. He hadn't seen <laughs> the next one. Well, our son came home from kindergarten obsessed with Star Wars, which was like a two year experience for our family we've worked our, we've worked our way out of the star wars obsession <laughs> gratefully into the next. it sounds gratefully like. <laughs> it sounds like is correct yes but you know there's good stuff in some of those yeah yeah, yeah. i i liked them i'm not a yeah. um a devotee of those movies yeah. but i like them um but there are so many good summer movies that yeah. uh, uh and as we kind of work our way out of a pandemic yeah. it's a, a great time to uh I don't know that uh, I think of that. I think yeah. about wanting to go see a movie this summer. Yeah, so drive-ins. We'll and... see. I've never been to a drive-in. Oh my god! I'm not that old, Beth. What? You're the same age as me. <laughs> but like, did you have drive-ins? No, but well, we would drive. So are to them. you just making it up that no, there's I, no? They're drive? around Father's Day. Oh, okay, <laughs> they're <All> around. <laughs> there's there's drive-ins around, but yeah, we didn't do it all the time. But sure, I remember going to them. Mm. Yeah, we were not that exciting or fun. Um, so it sounds like, uh, yeah. But speaking of nice. exciting and fun and drive-ins, yeah. we are going to talk today about uh, the call to holiness. The call to holiness today. Yeah. And uh, specifically about how Pope Francis wrote this awesome document. And Beth, this was your idea was, to take yeah. some time and go through his document on uh, the call to holiness in the modern world. Yeah. Um, so Beth, what are we going to talk about? Yeah, boy. So there's a lot in this document and there's a lot in here. So what's the document first? Of oh, all? yeah. So the document is Gaudete et Exultate which is exciting to say. Yeah. It, exultate, I'm going to think about making that my new favorite word to say. I think, but previously it's been catechetical. It, mm. There's just a lot of different hard consonants <laughs> in that, so I enjoy saying it. Um, but... I I yeah. feel like it's going to become like an expletive for you. Oh. Like when you stub your toe, you're going to be. <laughs> that's not a bad exultate. idea. Let me think about that. <laughs> think about that. Anyway, that's what I heard when you said it. So go ahead. Um, but yeah, so Pope Francis 2018, uh, this apostolic exhortation on the call to holiness in today's world. And uh, I just thought there was really a lot in this document for us to go deeper in. And I know last month we kind of talked about transitions and how yeah. the universal call to holiness is so essential in times of transition, right? That we keep that in mind. Like we have to remember, even when, if other things are shifting, we have to remember who we are and what we're mm. called to. Yeah. So I thought it would be a good one for us to go deeper into. Yeah, I think it's a great document. It might be my favorite of the what? Pope Francis documents. Um, Evangelii Gaudium? I like Evangelii Gaudium. I, I just, I like this a lot. So yeah, I'm really glad good. you picked it. Um, and one of the things I think is good for us to maybe kick it off with yeah. is just by talking about holiness. Like, so <coughs> what is holiness? Mm. Um, and he talks about that a little bit in the first chapter, yeah. but, uh, Maybe, uh, you know, not to make it a quiz, I don't mean that, but like, Beth, like, how would you define holiness? Holiness. Uh, how would I define holiness? I think being like God, being like God, seeing others as God sees them and thinking and acting as God thinks and acts in our world. Hmm. Yeah. But I see you're pulling out a hard document here to give me the real. <laughs> you're not answer, supposed to mention so that. This I'll go is ahead supposed and... to sound like it's coming off the top of <laughs> Just my the head. The top of your head, yeah, from this large book. <laughs> it's not that big. I mean, uh -huh. I like these uh, Pauline book and media versions yeah. of the uh, of the encyclicals and papal documents. I think sure. they're uh, they're the right size for me, and um, 
I got a whole bunch of them lined up. So nice. <laughs> anyway, I, I like them. Uh, but yeah, in the first kind of section, he talks a lot about like what is holiness. He gives yeah. his own um, um, kind of thoughts about it or his own definition of it. And then he, he gives a definition that Pope Benedict offers. You know, holiness, Pope Benedict says, is nothing other than charity lived to the full. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a great definition. Pope Francis <clears throat> yeah. talks about holiness as being, you know, this uh, radical commitment to say yes to God in every circumstance. Yeah. Um, and uh, he says it's not just for priests or yeah. um, directors for of evangelization at yeah. basilicas. Yeah. It's for everyone to yeah. be called to the life of holiness and it's going to look different in everyone's life. Absolutely. Uh, and that's the beauty of it. You know, the, the beauty of the church is Christ calling all of us to live a life of holiness. And it's not a yeah. cookie cutter. The saints are not like they're exact. Not all the same. <laughs> they're not all the same and they're not exact models for us to follow precisely. Yeah. Right. They're inspirations yeah. and they show us kind of different, um, I think of it, different facets of holiness, like, yeah. you know, different angles yeah. uh, of holiness. So, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was great how he sort, of, he sort of is echoing what John Paul II had said in Novo Millennio Innuente, the time has come to repropose wholeheartedly to everyone this high standard of ordinary Christian living. Yeah. I know some people hear that and they're like, uh, but to me that feels very January 1, new year, new resolution, let's do this, right? It feels like the morning after Ash Wednesday, right? <laughs> when you're like, I can do this, I've got this, we can do this, Lord, come. Um, so I just think, I think it's exciting. The, the, there were so many quotes in this that I really loved. I thought um, very often, he said, very often it is a holiness found <clears throat> excuse me, in our next door neighbors. Those who living in our midst reflect God's presence. We might call them the middle class of holiness. <laughs> I thought that was such a great line. The middle class of holiness. Okay, we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I might not be, you know, wealthy and famous in my holiness, but I right. can do it. You Middle know? class, yeah. 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 Um, well, I think this yeah. is one of the geniuses of Pope Francis. I think it's one of his greatest attributes yeah. or gifts as a pope is is trying to help people see uh, see it in the ordinariness of life. Yeah. Uh, I, yep. I think that comes through in lots of things he does and says. Yep. But I think it comes through here when he talks about holiness. He Absolutely. talks about grandparents and, yeah. you know, quiet individuals, neighbors and friends yeah. who live it out. and Especially women. He gives a long shout out to women, both saints of the church and those who, who just see silently and quietly, what did he say, sustained and transformed families and communities by the power of their witness. Yeah. Those unknown or forgotten women. I mean, All so- right now. <laughs> Thank you. Well, so many priests <clears throat> I know point back to their mom or grandma Aww. as kind of the bearers yeah. of faith for their family. Yeah. Um, and I know in talking with the archbishop, he's talked about like his first grade teacher, yeah. I forget her name, but a sister oh, who yeah. is this great model right. of, of holiness uh, for him and how, you know, we don't know the impact we're making on other yeah. people and, right. and holiness is not meant to be self-contained. Yeah. It's meant to go out and, uh, and, yeah. I mean, just kind of staying in the first chapter in my own mind here of uh, this document, though, uh, Pope Francis talks again and again about, you know, holiness is not just being in church all the time, mm, but it's about right. it's about going out yeah. and it's about living, you know, every part of your life yeah. for the Lord, saying yes to Jesus. And so he goes through, you know, an example of a woman's life where 
Um, she wants to gossip and yeah, she chooses yeah, exactly. not to and she, and she wants to do this to. and she chooses not to and how these are and her child comes yeah. to her and wants to talk about his hopes and, and dreams and she doesn't want to hear about it <laughs> and she's you know tired or distracted yeah. and she patience, patiently yeah. listens and then yeah. she meets someone in need on the street yeah. and she stops and shares a kind word with them right. and I think that's just a beautiful example of like Absolutely. there's so many so many moments throughout our right. life and throughout our day right. where we're given the opportunity to say yes to the Lord yeah um, one one of the ways I think that's so critical, and I've seen this in my own life, and obviously a ton of room to grow, a ton of growing needed. Sure. But I, I think about how the little ways I've said yes to the Lord mm-hmm. make it possible for me to say yes to the Lord in bigger mm-hmm. ways. That's so true. Yeah. So, you know, in my own vocation, I've thought about, you know, the times uh, when, when I was discerning a vocation to the priesthood, mm-hmm. thought about when like Jesus was inviting me to spend time with him. So I took an hour a week in yeah. college because I was challenged by someone to do that. Mm-hmm. I took an hour a week to pray and saying yes to that, like carving mm-hmm. that little bit of time out, allowed me to hear another right. invitation right. from the Lord that eventually led for me to hear his invitation uh, to be yeah. a priest. <clears throat> and that holiness builds on the little yeses. So you, you might say like this moment of this woman, like wanting to gossip and her, yeah. you know, resisting that and, and, yeah. um, and, and being charitable in that situation. You're like, yep. okay, you know, that, that's not, <laughs> that's not life changing or world changing <laughs> right. by itself, right. but it's an incremental step that the yeah. Lord uses to call us more deeply into a life of holiness. I think so about true. this with the life of the saints, yeah. you know, St. Uh, Maximilian Colby is, is, my boy, I think is the kids say, <laughs> but I love St. Maximilian Colby. Yeah. I think about the radical witness he made at Auschwitz That's to right. step forward in the midst of, I mean, probably the greatest right. evil, the most, right. uh, right. the best example of hell on earth right. being in Auschwitz. Yeah. And he was able to step forward and say, I will take this man's mm. place to die. That didn't come out of nowhere, no, right? That, that came out of like of little right. moments of saying yes right. that were incrementally greater that prepared yeah. him for this great moment. And I don't know what the Lord's preparing me for. So right. this, but I don't want to make it too much about me, but I'll just say, I don't know what the Lord's preparing right. me for, but I know each yes I make right. opens up a possibility for me to say a deeper yes and to True. be more faithful to True. what he's calling me to in the future. And True. same with your life yeah. and the life of everyone listening. Yeah. I think it's funny because the yeses don't seem that important. Right. When we, <laughs> the little yeses just don't seem that important. I remember when I graduated college and I went to Calcutta to work with Mother Teresa's sisters, I remember thinking like, this is going to feel so exciting and so <laughs> important and like, I'm going to change the world, you know, and you know, I got there and I just didn't understand. Like I, I was so, there was such a, a natural good letdown of like, I thought this would feel more important. I thought that, you know, I would have some sense of like saving the world or ending something or, you know, but I washed cups. I looked after children. Uh, I washed floors, you know, and and people kept repeating to me Mother Teresa's word, which was actually written on the wall of the orphanage where I was working. We can do no great things, only small things with great love. Mm. And I just remember thinking, yeah, but like, <laughs> but like, where's the big important thing? You know, um, I think also just these small yeses, it really is the hidden path of parenting little children. I have a lot of friends right now who are home with little ones and, yeah. um, and you know, it feels sort of unimportant and, um, and just small and hidden yeah. and, you know, children, I don't think grow up to necessarily recall all those little <laughs> sacrifices that were made, you know, 
um, washing feet. Uh, we started a tradition on Holy Thursday where we wash our kids' feet. Uh, and so, they, and they get so excited. We read the gospel and we wash their feet and they think it's so special. And I'm thinking, I do this like all the time. I mean, your feet are so dirty. I'm, I'm always washing your feet or washing the walls and the floors because I didn't wash your feet, yeah. you know? So, but I think that, that, that yes, as you say, right, that yes, it, it's how we grow closer to him. It's how we say that yeah. those bigger yeses. Yeah. Yeah. And even if each one of those is not remembered by your children, it's right. creating an environment where yeah. they know they're loved, where they know you're sacrificing for them. Yeah. Or whether they know it or not, like externally, it's being manifested to them. Yeah. Right. So or they maybe might I'm it, just letting go of my own pride. <laughs> right? So maybe God is working all. in you right. for maybe sure. He's just but me. he's also working in your whole family yeah. to yeah. kind of help them understand the depth of yeah. of love. Yeah. Yeah, there were so many other things in here to love. Um, one thing that I really appreciated, he said, holiness is the most attractive face of the church. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't strive to be holy to evangelize. But nevertheless, if we strive to evangelize without first seeking holiness, we are not only wasting everyone's time, we're actually doing far more damage, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think for me, when I was reading, just in one of the more recent Church of You scandals, it was a number of years back, actually. But when I was reading that, I started really going back and looking at more into church history. And I hadn't taken uh, a grad level class on it yet, but just reading church history. And really, I was reading from secular sources and from Catholic sources, because I just kind of wanted to make sure I was understanding and hearing the whole thing. And what was fascinating is in the in the Catholic version of church history, it was the same stories, the same <laughs> the, the same hard things, the same bad things, the same sins, right, yeah. of our members. But the difference in the in the recounting of what had happened in the recounting of the history was the presence and impact of the saints, mm -hmm. right? So in the midst of this secular book, they say, oh, here's this horrible thing that happened. And then in the Catholic version, they're like, here's this horrible thing that happened. And here was St. Benedict or St. Bernard or St. Francis or St. whoever right. um, coming in, St. Catherine of Siena coming in and saying, hey, <laughs> this is not how we're called to live. This is not what God's calling us to, right? So I think, again, yeah, holiness is that attractive face of the church. So how can we each strive to be more of that attractive face. <laughs> well, I think you're exactly right. I mean, in the arc of church history, it's holiness that brings people back. Yeah. It's not tremendous pastoral planning. Right. <laughs> it's uh, not yeah. the, you know, the most erudite document yeah. that the church can write. All of those things are meant to to assist us and help us. So yeah. we're not like, you know, um, like St. Francis was a great gift to the church, but St. Francis isn't the model in his, like, uh, for, for everyone for to follow everyone in to follow, his uh, right. lack of structure. Right. Right. Oh, um, right. So he was, you know, kind of a, right. a brilliant, right. um, but the church needs structure and needs order. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, yeah. it's holiness that does anything yeah. in the church. And, and the holiness of, um, saying yes to Jesus moment by yeah. moment in our lives, as yeah. Pope Francis says. Uh, I, I think yeah. about that in in the life of... Um, I think about that in, in prayer life is what I'm trying to say. Um, that And he talks about prayer and holiness, and he says, you know, prayer is only as effective or as helpful as it leads us to holiness, mm -hmm. as it leads me to say yes right. to the Lord. And so my prayer always has to be I'm not just concerned with the amount of time I'm putting in or what I'm reading, mm -hmm. but that I'm letting it penetrate my heart and yeah. impact my life. And, yeah. and so my prayer is effective. And I mean, effective is even the wrong way to say fruitful. it. I don't mean that. Fruitful. Thank yeah. you. Uh, to the degree that it penetrates my heart and yeah. it changes the way I think, yeah. act and treat other yeah. people. 
Um, and I think we see that with the saints, right? I mean, yeah. you you listed a number of great ones there who led to renewal. Yeah. I would add maybe St. Philip Neri, who led to incredible mm-hmm. renewal in the church in yeah. Rome. Um, and, uh, you know, you've already cited Mother Teresa. I think yeah. Mother Teresa is such a prophetic figure for yeah. our time because of her radical witness to love and her yeah. holiness in the midst of, you know, human like, dignity and... And, and not being afraid of any challenge. She wasn't afraid of any challenge. I mean, she's in Beirut and there's bombing and there's an orphanage caught in the middle of the bombing and no one will go in and rescue these children. Mm. And all the workers have left because there's bombs going on. They've abandoned these children. And she says, she shows up and she's like, I need 500 towels. I need two Jeeps. I need Band-Aids. I need all of these different things. And they're like, you you can't go in there. She's like, oh no, I've prayed. There will be a ceasefire. I'll be, I'll be fine. <laughs> and they're like, okay. So she just goes in and carries out all of these children and people are just standing there aghast, right? But that that gutsy like confidence in God's providence and and confidence in like this is what the Lord said to do so yeah. at whatever the cost I will do it saying yes to him yeah. whatever he asks whatever and I again I think that builds upon other yeses she made yeah. all throughout her life to have confidence that okay this is yeah. saying yes to the Lord here she started now. with 10 rupees yeah 10 rupees <laughs> that's not a lot of money and a tin yep. can. I think they gave her a tin can too. Okay. That's what she began with. <laughs> I mean, how <laughs> when can she, you? When she started yeah, when the missionaries she began the missionaries of charity, she had a, ten, a tin can and 10 rupees. Wow. Okay, great. Sounds like you've got it all wrapped up here, Lord. Thank you for your abundant provision for this mission. But it did come, you know. Let's, yeah. uh, let's talk for a minute about um, chapter two. Uh, yeah. Pope Francis talks about these two evils yeah. of uh, of our world, two dangers, Pelagianism yeah. and Gnosticism. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he talks about those as two challenges to yeah. our commitment to holiness. Right. Um, right. So just to take a moment, Gnosticism is this kind of understanding that our soul, the important part of us, mm-hmm. is trapped in our body, the unimportant part of us. Mm-hmm. It's this dualistic understanding um, of human nature, that our bodies are unimportant and the soul is the only thing that's important. Um, And it uh, is uh, kind of founded on Gnosticism, comes from the Greek word gnosis, which Mm -hmm. is knowledge, that there's some kind of secret secret knowledge out there, right, that only certain people know. Beth, why is Gnosticism a challenge to holiness? Yeah, I think that it can get to the point where we're so obsessed with what we know and the knowledge that we've forgotten to love. Um, and I, I'm sure he wrote this with a lot of specific things in mind. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, it wasn't as clear to me what specific things he was thinking of, but I think like among those who understand and abide by church teachings, even those that are hard, <clears throat> I think there can emerge sort of a frustration or even a judgment of those who don't understand yeah. these hard church teachings. And so I think that can be a form of Gnosticism, right? Where instead of our hearts being broken for those who don't know, and understand, and w- instead of having empathy for those who have to kind of bear with the confusion and shifting sands of our world, right, we kind of more are frustrated yeah. that they don't have the secret knowledge or that they just don't get it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a real lack of love on our part, right? Yeah, yeah. that the ultimate goal is to know, to know in our intellect, right, rather than yeah. to live in our lives. And uh, we're not opposed to intellect at all. I mean, God right. created our minds to know deeply, um, but Jesus came in the flesh so yeah. that we would know him in the flesh. And he says, take and eat. This is my body, right? Yeah. Um, he gives us his flesh to eat. And so the yeah. soul, the whole sacramental economy of the church is based on the reality that the things of this world, while they're tinged with a, a misunderstanding or can be problematic, but 
are good. God yeah. communicates himself through the things of this world. Yeah. In the creation account, everything he makes, he says, good. and it was good, yeah. <laughs> right? right. Um, so even our, our flesh, our humanity, we're not just minds trapped in bodies. Uh, when Jesus, mm -hmm. after he rises from the dead, he's not this amorphous ghost wandering around. Right. He tells him, touch my hands, give me some, some fish or some bread to right. eat so that I can you know, show you that my resurrection is truly in my body as well. Right. And so Gnosticism, I think, has real challenges in our world today when we, you know, hear people, you know, try to live a life divorcing the actions of our bodies from a mm. life of faith. Mm -hmm. That You know, what, what really matters is what's in my heart or what's uh, in my mind, not right. in my actions, right? right. Um, and, and I think that's a, a great misunderstanding yeah. of the Christian life that, as you talk about your uh, your time in Calcutta, yeah. it's the ordinary mundane ordinary. things, your yep. life as a mom, your, yep. the ordinary mundane things yep. where you're going to grow in holiness, yep. not some kind of mystical spiritual right. experience you right. have. Right. So true. Yeah. And same yeah. for the life as a priest. I mean, obviously a different uh, encounter and all of those who work in parishes, right? It's often the mundane, like schedule making, yeah. phone calls, yeah. listening to people's conversations. Yeah. That's where holiness comes from, yeah. saying yes to Jesus in that moment and pouring yourself out Absolutely. into that. That's where we're going to grow in holiness. Yeah, so true. I think of the multiplication of the loaves and fishes, right? And Jesus's line, um, pick up the fragments that nothing be be wasted, right? And if you yeah. think of how long it must have taken to pick up the <laughs> fragments. I heard a great, read a great sermon on that, you know, that the Lord was teaching them such an important lesson, not only the abundance of his provision, but also our role, mm. our role and yeah. his role, right? The Lord does the miracle. He takes the little we have, and then we do the other little things, right? This little faithful service. How long did it take <laughs> at the end of a long day? I mean, we all know what it's like in parish ministry to be putting the chairs away and wiping down the tables. I mean, who's the one taking out the garbage? Now there's some <laughs> holiness, <laughs> right? There's the possibility for it anyway. So yeah. uh, that's a great segment segue into yeah. talking about uh, Pelagianism too. Yeah. So the other one, Pelagianism says that um, I bring about my own salvation. Yeah. It's my work yep. that does it. So, you know, the only thing that matters are my actions. Yeah. I determine everything. Yeah. And that doesn't take into account the radical life of grace. Jesus, <laughs> who says, yeah. I, it was I cho who chose you, not you who chose me. Yeah. And the radical dependency we have on the Lord that right. we don't we don't bring about our own salvation through no. our work. It's a free gift from Jesus. That's and right. if we're always thinking we have to earn it or we have to do the work to, you know, to make it happen, right. we we totally misunderstand. Right. Now, we're not totally passive. We don't just sit by right. and let the Lord kind of sweep us away. Right. But I think your example of the loaves and the fishes is, is yeah. the perfect way to look at it, right? Yeah. It's Jesus who does the work, but, but he wants, yeah, he wants yeah. us to be part of it. We I think do. about um, the... Uh, you know, um, calling the disciples to go prepare the upper room for the Last Supper yeah, as well, right. right? He's like, go into the city, find this dude who's got, yeah, he's got a donkey yeah. and he's got an upper room and work with him. Um, so the Lord wants us to cooperate, yeah. but always in obedience to him and knowing that the primary work is his. Absolutely. Um, and so Pelagianism yeah. is a great scourge that says, I bring about my own salvation. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. It's a free gift from the Lord. Yeah. I think Pope Francis said the lack of a heartfelt and prayerful acknowledgement of our limitations prevents grace from working more effectively within us. Yeah. That's the whole problem here. Um, but it's yeah. hard, Beth, Why is because it hard? Jesus doesn't do everything I want I'm, him to. He yeah. doesn't bring about the solutions I want him to. Right. Yeah. So to 
Um, I think of Moses, right? Go ahead and raise your hand and I'll part the Red Sea. Well, but what if it happens and nothing? What if I do that and like everyone sees and nothing happens? Maybe I'll just stand here and you part the Red Sea. Yeah, right. that sounds good. No, that's not good. <laughs> so it is complicated because we do participate, but then it's not yeah. our it's not ours to do. Yeah. Right? Where do you see Pelagianism in, in church life today? Oh, I think I see it in um, turning away from prayer and dependency yeah. on the Lord yeah. and just turning to action, right? Yeah. The, like uh, Pope Francis, I don't believe it's here, but somewhere else he talks about the um, the idol of busyness. Ooh, yeah. And that's our culture. Yeah. That's our, that's our culture in the church. That's right. our culture everywhere, right. right? Like if someone doesn't tell you how busy they are, yeah. there's something wrong right. with them, you feel right. like, right? Like, how right. are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. There's right. a lot going right. on right now. I've got a lot going on. Like, right. <laughs> that's a way of saying, like, so I'm American doing too. a lot. Yeah. I think it's a particularly American problem. Yeah. Um, but I think it's an idol that we need to smash and destroy yeah. um, to kind of always trying to be to yeah. always have to be busy. Yeah. And this is where, you know, I, I think our efforts to not play sports on Sunday in Detroit sure. is a way to say we need to carve out time because Absolutely. being busy all the time is yeah. not how God made us. Yeah. And it doesn't help reflect externally or internally for ourselves the reality of our dependency on the Lord. Yeah. He does talk in here about the need for us to be attentive yeah. and to be silent, to hear the Lord's mm. voice. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah. only when we slow down and we're receptive to him that we get to hear his voice. So true. Yeah, I think of my ministry before I read The Soul of the Apostolate and after I read mm. The Soul of the Apostolate because that's really the whole premise of that is, you know, one, our ministry will bear no fruit if we have no interior life. <laughs> and two, we may be walking the road to hell, actually, because we become so obsessed with busyness, so obsessed with me metrics and all of this that we forget our own heart, we forget our own soul. So certainly that's definitely a Pelagian kind of attitude, but like, how do we um, strive to participate and stay close to the Lord and depend on the Holy Spirit? And I think there also can be a, a funny Pelagianism that that isn't away from prayer, but is more of um, kind of a rigidity with prayer and devotions. Mm. I knew a man who um, was really into the prayers of St. Bridget of Sweden. I don't know if you're familiar with I've it. I've heard of it, yeah. A lot of promises, and some of the promises are like, if you pray these prayers every day for a year, you know, all your all your family will will go to heaven. You know, there, so there is, and it, these aren't approved. There's there's right. you know just some things in there. But anyway, so that's a real rigid part of his life. He prays these prayers every day, and yeah. they're long prayers. I mean, it'd take a good hour, I think, to get through them unless you really get <laughs> moving. I don't know. Um, but like you know, on the one hand, there's like a, I don't know. It's just how do we walk that balance, right? Of of praying and and trusting the Lord, but also not not burdening others with our the rigidity of our prayer life right like yeah. he talks of in another section like we can't a holiness that that is that must be in silence and away from the people right this is not this is not a holiness right yeah. like we need to be with the lord but we also need to love god's people yeah we can't just say good luck everybody i'll be over there being holy <laughs> right and that's why <laughs> he talks about <laughs> i think he talks about those two as challenges i think anyone who works for the church um most priests i know have had people do the novena to St. Jude, okay. which is nine yeah. uh, nine days of prayers, and you need to leave nine slips in the church oh, sure. for nine consecutive days. It's it's weird, right? I, I'm just okay. like I don't think like it's it, it seems superstitious. Oh, yeah, and right. and I think that's where some of that uh, yeah. Pelagianism can come in, right? If only yeah. I do leave these nine slips in nine churches for nine days. Then, then the Lord will hear my prayer. Right. Yeah. And that becomes a problem. 
Yeah. Anyway, we could talk about this forever. Let's move on Let's to the heart on. of the document because yeah. we, we we do have to wrap up eventually. Yeah. Um, but uh, chapter three is really, yep, I, the I think, the, the heart of where he talks about this, that this is lived out through the Beatitudes yep. and through the call of, um, yep. uh, in Matthew 25, about the uh, the radical, you know, seeing the face of Christ in those we yeah. serve. Yeah. Um, I always find the Beatitudes a difficult uh, part of the gospel. I also find them difficult. Yeah. Um, there's there's always a few that I always resonate with, but I think, I, you know, he, he says the Beatitudes are like a Christian's identity card. Mm-hmm. In the Beatitudes, we find a portrait of the master, which we are called to reflect in our daily lives. And I wonder if we did a poll, which of these people would find most <laughs> challenging. I think there's a lot that seem to come up against, especially our um, our American sensibilities. Yeah. So... Yeah, just uh, because we don't have an unlimited amount of time, are True. there are there any or anything in this section that uh, mm-hmm. stuck out to you? Um, I yeah. think uh, I just ahead. want to talk about that quote from uh, a different quote from uh, Novo Millennio in Iute, yeah. and uh, about halfway through this section, mm-hmm. where he he points to John Paul II, who says, uh, "If we truly start out anew from the contemplation of Christ, we must learn to see Him, especially in the faces of those." with whom he himself wished to be identified. And, yeah. and and that's talking about the part of Matthew chapter 25 where Jesus says, you know, in the last judgment, mm-hmm. um, when I was hungry, you gave me food. When yeah. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. And they say, what? Like, when we did we do, do that? that? I don't remember that. And they say, whenever you did it for the least right. of these, you did it for me. And I, mm-hmm. I, I hear Pope Francis and John Paul telling us to like recalibrate ourselves to allowing Jesus mm-hmm. to change our mind, to see... Um, to see, to contemplate Christ and understand those that He wanted to be identified as yeah. those in need. But anything yeah. in the Beatitudes? That yeah, I stuck think out "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." I was just thinking about what He said about spiritual poverty and how that's related to what Saint Ignatius of Loyola calls holy indifference, mm. and how that brings us to interior freedom. And holy indifference is something I've been talking with a lot about, or, or talking a lot about with with others in ministry about how can we. Um, you know, be faithful and do the very best that we can, but also ultimately have holy indifference to whether this, you know, sandcastle gets washed away with the next wave. Yeah. You know, like I want to, I want to build in such a way that my peace is not shaken. If something goes away, I think it should not. Or, um, you know, when I, I, I think something, oh, I think we should have done that. And in the end we don't, you know, having that holy indifference mm-hmm. and having that poverty of spirit to say like, Lord, only you, I accept and I will have only you. And, you know, the rest of it, I just, I'm not going to hold on to. Yeah. Yeah. Right at the end of this section, um, he has this beautiful quote about mercy where he mm. says, those who wish to give glory to God, he talks about true and right worship here. Those who mm-hmm. wish to give glory to God by their lives, who truly long to grow in holiness, are called to be single-minded and tenacious in their mm. practice of the works of mercy. Yeah. That mercy becomes kind of the, the measuring stick um, for my own holiness and true worship of God, yeah. that it, it's, you know, all that I do bears fruit in a life of mercy mm-hmm. for those I love, those around me, and for those whom God puts in my life, the yeah. holy indifference, right? Like yeah. maybe God will put powerful, influential people in my life. Maybe. Maybe he'll put yeah. kind of um, people of no worldly significance right. in my life. Right. Maybe he'll put people in my life who are annoying to me, sure. who I struggle to love or who yeah. are... You know, kind of, yeah, yeah, who, you know, yeah, yeah, with whom it's not easy to get along with. Right. Um, And all of those, I need to be tenacious in uh, showing mercy uh, if I want to be a man or woman who grows in holiness. Absolutely. 
Yeah. I, I also appreciated, blessed are those who are persecuted for the righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, he speaks about how persecutions aren't a reality of the past, but today they're still part of it. And, you know, obviously around the world, we know people are greatly persecuted for our faith. And then, you know, in our culture, it's more, you know, maybe making fun of or people kind of treating us as though our faith is ridiculous, you yeah. know, things like that. And I think I, there was a great book that kind of preceded Sherry Waddell's Forming Intentional Disciples called I Once Was Lost. And it was mm. about InterVarsity's research with um, college campuses and those who had kind of become Christian in the last year and what stages, what processes they had gone through, which kind of was the forerunner for thresholds of conversion. Anyway, when it came to people who don't trust anyone Christian or Catholic or identifiably Christian or Catholic, yeah. They often are pre-trust. They're very antagonistic. They're very rude yeah. about things of faith, right? They see it as bad. And I think, how do we respond to people who act like this, right? Um, and, and typically, I think they identified a number of ways that we tend to respond, which is we bruise, mm. right? We bruise, we avoid these people, or we argue with them. <laughs> Those are generally our responses. And so the, the, the question is, well... Is that what great evangelists do, right? <laughs> Can you imagine if Paul was in Athens and they said, yeah, I don't know. He rose from the dead. Yeah, we'll see you later. And he like took it personally, right? And went in the back room and sulked. Yeah. Or if he got really angry with them and antagonistic, like this doesn't evangelize, right? right? Nobody right. wants to be a part of your... Your crazy thing. So, you know, instead, how can we, when people do persecute us for the sake of yeah. righteousness, whatever, it, however it may come across, like, how do we then pray for them, learn more about their story, seek opportunities to bond with them, right? Not avoid them. Yeah. What would it look like if we leaned into these relationships, right? Yeah. What difference could that make if we look for common ground? Uh, but there also is a reality of, yeah, we, we are, we do endure suffering, right? Do not be surprised when you meet the cross on your way. Mm -hmm. um, John Paul II told the youth of the world. So the yeah. cross is definitely a part of our of our faith. Yeah. And that's a great segue. Again, you're a great segue. I, yeah. Thank you. I, it's, I planned called. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, into chapter four, where he talks about signs of holiness in yeah. our world and, and what it looks like to live a life of holiness. And uh, one of the sections I think is best here is where he talks about uh, joy and a sense of humor. Yeah. That like it is so crucial. So this is yeah. a bit of a hobby horse for me, but so crucial for us to be joyful in following Jesus. Yeah. You know, uh, he talks about not being a, uh, a sourpuss yeah. in following the Lord. Uh, and the fact that we need a sense of humor, both about our own selves, that we're imperfect <laughs> and yeah. we need to be able to kind of laugh at ourselves. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Um, but also to realize That's that, uh, you know, that Jesus wants us to be joyful and he wants us yeah. to laugh. Uh, yeah. Last year, a few of the priests I live with were watching The Chosen mm. um, together. Yeah. And I think Love it's that. such a beautiful portrayal of yeah. Jesus's humanity. Right. His joy, yeah. his sorrow at, yeah. you know, things he experiences and even his playfulness. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it's yeah. not scripturally. Um, none of that. Right. Yeah, it's, it's not right all between, like, like between the lines. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So it's not opposed to it, but it's not right. written into it. Right. But it's this beautiful portrayal of yeah. like what would be attractive about Jesus, right. right? Right. It's not just hellfire and brimstone all the time. Right. Now he does have to preach difficult truths sure. and and call people to repentance, right. but he also does it with a joy that comes yeah. with following following the Lord and being filled with the Holy Spirit should yeah. give us confidence that. You know, no matter what we experience, God is with us. And so that should mark um, should mark us with a character of joy. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. 
All right, well, let's wrap it up yeah. with the, the closing bit. Uh, in Chapter 5, he talks about spiritual combat, vigilance, and yeah. discernment. Any Anything from that, Beth, on discernment or kind of the combat as you talk about, you yeah. know, don't be afraid to meet the cross yeah. uh, as yeah. we Boy. as we go along? Anything from this last chapter? You know, there was there, I had a couple thoughts. The one under uh, vigilance, combat and vigilance, he spoke about how when we let down our guard, um, Satan takes advantage of it to destroy our lives, our families, and our communities. And then that verse from First Peter, like a roaring lion, he prowls around looking for someone to devour, mm. right? It's this very clear image. And I, years ago, we watched the movie uh, Flight with Denzel Washington. He's, okay. he, he is almost in, he's a pilot. He almost crashes the plane, but in the end he doesn't. But he's drunk. I mean, completely drunk. He's always drunk, right? And so they do this evaluation because they Denzel can't Washington understand. Denzel Washington yeah, or the character? The actor, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> they, can't under- stop it. they can't understand how he, how he didn't. They, they just, they can't figure out what happened. And yeah. he almost gets away with it. He almost gets mm. away passing off because the airlines don't want it to be obvious that he's drunk because then of course they the insurance won't cut anyway this whole mass and you see him just this very real struggle with addiction this very real struggle with alcoholism and you know he's getting cleaned up getting cleaned up but then at the very end this door swings open in the night and there's access to this mini fridge with all this alcohol you know Mm. and i just think of like how the lord or how satan right does always look for these yeah he's always prowling around there's always these moments right in our lives where like the temptation approaches or like satan is trying to as it says here, as Pope Francis says, he's trying to destroy our lives, our families, and our communities, right? Like, how do mm. we how do we remain, like, both hopeful and confident because the Lord is the king of everything? You know, mm-hmm. St. Francis had this great moment when he was praying in a chapel in the dead of night, which was his favorite time to go and pray in these chapels. And, you know, Satan and the demons come to torture him, and he says, okay, well, go ahead. And the demons are like, what, what do you mean just go ahead? You should be afraid of us. And he's like, I'm not afraid of you. Yeah. Whatever you're going to do, Jesus has allowed, so go ahead. And they were just so like, they, so they left. They didn't bother him that <laughs> night. They're like, this is no fun. This you is know? no fun. This is no fun. But then I just think like, yeah, what is it? How how can we be vigilant? I think especially when we're tired, um, when we're tired, or when we're discouraged. I think those are particularly times when we need to be in community and we need to yeah. Um, take care of ourselves yeah. as well. Yeah, so. and I think that that ties in nicely with. I think it's the first chapter where he talks about, you know, the, some of the uh, thoughts about holiness in the sense of, you know, the saints didn't do everything perfectly. The yeah. saints fell at times, yeah. um, but yeah. what marks them as holiness is they got up again. That's right. Right. So the life of holiness is not. Uh, a life of complete sinlessness because right. we know that we we can fall and fail, but it's always getting back up. So yeah. when we do fall, when we do fail, when we give in to temptation, to know that that doesn't define us. That God yeah. gives us grace to repent yeah. and to choose to follow Him joyfully. Yeah. And I think that that helps us understand God even allows our sins. Mm. Um, he doesn't want us to sin, but He right. permits us to sin so that we can realize our radical dependency on him. Yeah. And so uh, whenever we do fall, the way to conquer that is to let that be a greater trust in the Lord and a yeah. less trust in my own ability, yeah. turn away from the Pelagianism of I can do it on my own, yeah. and to turn to the Lord and say, um, Lord, I am radically dependent on you, and mm-hmm. my joy comes from being united to you. Pope Francis uh, says that, um, do not be afraid of holiness. It will take away none of your energy, vitality, or joy. Yeah. You know what is 
uh, fun as we wrap up here, I think, um, it, since we kind of go back and forth with wrap-up quizzes, yeah. I want to quiz you, Beth, All on right. some titles of papal documents right. translating from, uh, as she types away, looking oh, yeah. these things I'm up. I'm pulling up the, my internet browser. <laughs> no, I'm not. To uh, uh, translate some of these titles right. into English. I did not so, take Latin, so my, my graduate professors are... They're, they're bummed that this is the test I've been put up to. Yeah, Francisco I'm sure. University doesn't look great right now. <laughs> I'm not sure required. you'll have an opportunity to make me look bad in future episodes. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, yes. <laughs> um, so this ta- this document is yes. called Gaudete et yes. Exultate. Yes. What does Gaudete et Exultate mean? Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. Yeah. And Beth, where is that found? That's a scripture quote. In the quote. Beatitudes. Matthew yeah. 5, no? Matthew 5, yeah. verse 12. Well, all right. M- muy bueno. Yeah. <laughs> Pope Francis's first encyclical was entitled Lumen Fidei. The Light of Faith. The Light of Faith. Yes. Look at that. I Feeling knew a sister it. in India whose name was Sister Lumen. And the poor woman, most people don't speak Latin, so she had to repeat her name over and over and over again. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, what is your name? Lumen. Lumen like light. I'm like, oh, okay. Sorry, sister. Thank you, sister. Uh, Very good, great. sister. <laughs> <laughs> uh Pope Francis's most famous document yeah. probably is his exhortation on the uh, called Evangelii Gaudium. Ah, I see, you almost said it in English. Yes, you almost said the joy of the gospel. <laughs> I know. Yeah. What does Evangelii Gaudium mean? The joy of the gospel. Look at you. You joy are of the killing it. You yeah. are killing it. Well, you, you're not going super obscure here. I was worried. No, no. Um, let's uh, let's go. When Pope Francis instituted yeah. the year of mercy yeah. he said um he issued a uh, a document closing the year of mercy called mm-hmm. misericordia et misera oh boy yeah right i remember that document um mm, mm, mercy and heart i don't know mercy mm, i don't know mercy with misery mercy with misery kind of an odd name of a document yeah but uh misery John Paul II wrote a ton of papal encyclicals. Uh, So let's ask a couple of his to wrap up because I think you are, you're doing a lot better than than I thought you would on this based on what you told us. Well. So John Paul II was Pope from 1978 to 2005. Gave him a long time to write papal encyclicals. Yes. Uh, The... Encyclical he wrote in 1993 was entitled Veritatis Splendor. The Splendor of the Truth. Yeah, look at that. That's a good one. He wrote one in 1995 yeah. called Ut Unum Sint. Oh, boy. No, I don't know. One, one, one something. I don't know. Yeah, that they all may be one. That all that may be all, one. That all may be one. Right. Oh, yeah. From John's Gospel. One, right. And lastly, Pope John Paul II's first papal encyclical in 1979 mm. was Redemptor Hominis. Yeah, the Redeemer of Man. Do you Look actually know when all these documents were written? Is that in your mind? It's in my computer, ah. which is an extension of my mind. <laughs> I see, I see. It's helping to form my mind. So. I see. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, let's do one more. He wrote right, one in 1991 up? called Centesimus Annus. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, the... Mm, the Jubilee year, the year of the century, I don't know. Yeah, year pretty close. The On the 100th year. 100th. The great. 100th anniversary. So it was right. a social encyclical that tied back to the 1891 
uh, Rerum Novarum, right. which is the beginning of the church's social teaching in the modern age. 1891, you've got that date Eight, That one mind. I know. That yeah. one I know well. Rerum Novarum, which means... Yeah. Yes, I read that, and I don't recall. So this is the 100th remember. anniversary of it, Centesimus right. Anus. Right. Uh, Rerum Novara means new things. New things, Or right. new stuff. Right. Wasn't there a document written stuff. 50 years after Rerum Novarum too? There was a bunch of them. There was Quadragesimo right. Anno. Yeah, right. That which one. is 40 years after. Right. Um, there was Sextagesimo Anno, which is yep, 60, 60 years, years after. Pachamenteris, right. which is another document of John Paul II, yep. was written or that's a, a document of John the Twenty Third was right. written um, in commemoration of that, but it wasn't yeah. named yeah. for that. So anyway, this is uh, probably I don't know who would still be listening <laughs> at this point, but it was a fun little way to uh, to do a little quiz of Beth, and she killed it. So great job, it. Beth! I didn't kill it. And uh, go see a movie this summer. Go see a movie this summer, and let's be saints, huh? Do not be afraid um, to set your sights higher, to allow yourself to be loved and liberated by God. Do not be afraid to let yourself be guided by the Holy Spirit. Holiness does not make you less human. So thanks for listening to another episode of Encounter Grow Witness. Be sure to listen to our podcast every single month and tell everyone you know, and be sure to subscribe and and leave us a review. Amen.